1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We have been journeying through the book of 1 John. And we are coming today to verses 6 through 12. I'll begin reading in verse 6 of 1 John chapter 5. Let me just back up to verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which He has testified of His Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we truly ask today that that Your Spirit would make the Word come alive in each of our hearts. And Lord, I pray today that we would come to realize the testimony of You. I pray today that there would be assurance of faith in Jesus Christ born by Your Spirit in our personal lives today. Lord, that is a work that no human being can do. And so we appeal to You at this time, and our appeal is only made in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you would say that you grew up in a Christian home? How many? Just raise your hand. Okay. Um, I don't know, maybe 60% or 50-50. Think about your life. Each of you, not just those that grew up in a Christian home. Why do you believe what you believe? Some people believe what they believe because that's all they've been taught. And so, that's all they've been taught. That's what they believe. Some people, maybe along the same line, this is the part of our family heritage. We are a Christian family, so that's why I believe it. Some people believe what they believe because it makes life easier believing this. I mean, 
that's pretty well accepted, and it makes life um, easy if I believe this, so I just go along with that. Now think about it. Let's say that you were born and raised in a third or fourth generation Muslim family. Would your same reasons for belief that you have in Christianity today apply to why you're believing if you were born in a Muslim family? Or let's say you were born in a Buddhist family or a Hindu family or a, an atheist family or any other fill-in-the-blank. Why do you believe? If someone were to ask you this last week, why do you believe? What would be your answers to them? How would you respond to them? We have talked just recently in recent weeks about faith is the victory that overcomes the world in the verses that we've looked at in 1 John. But the whole genius of the Christian faith, the reality of the Christian faith, is that it rests upon facts. These facts are the acts of God in history. Um, undeniable movements of God which cannot be explained away, which cannot be dismissed by a, a mere reasoning of the mind. They are part and parcel of the human race and of history. And as you look at the acts of God in history, it actually serves to compel us to believe. It is not that the Christian faith is unreasonable. It's not that the Christian faith is a step into the dark and, and you're putting your hope on something that may or may not be. And that you hope that it is. John is coming to the close of this letter and he is quickly giving us evidences for our faith and he declares why we should believe. And the greatest testimony ever given to Christ comes from God the Father. It's wonderful to read that the centurion said, Truly, this man is the Son of God. But the centurion's testimony is only powerful because it was God that convinced the centurion to say that. It's wonderful when people saw the miracles and concluded Jesus must be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. 
But it really isn't the testimony of those people that carries the power. It's the testimony of God that carries that power. At the time that John wrote this, A.D. 90, just 60 years after Christ lived, there had arisen a very serious heresy which said that Jesus was God's Son at His baptism, but that the Spirit of God left Him before He was crucified, and He was not God's Son at the cross. So that Jesus was crucified as nothing but a man. So this was some of the the teachings that they were wrestling with here. So with that in mind, John writes to them and he says to them, we overcome the world by our faith and our faith that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So in verse 6, He's giving to the people reasons why they should believe that Jesus is the Son of God, not just at His baptism, but at His baptism, at His crucifixion, at His resurrection, at His ascension, and when He comes again. So he says to them in verse 6, This is He who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and the blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. Right in this verse, John unfolds three testimonies of God that say that Jesus is the Messiah. And the first testimony is that Jesus Christ came by water. The water here refers to the baptism of Christ. We read in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, Jesus Christ was baptized um, as an identification, as an obedience. And you remember the account when... When he was baptized, the dove, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, um, came. And God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right there, you have a testimony of God affirming this is an actual history. It took place in real life that God is confirming, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He was declared by the Father to be His Son. A direct divine witness, not just something to launch His ministry. It was a testimony of God. So when John says, this is He who came by water... And then he also says, and blood. The water refers 
to the baptism of Christ, the blood refers to His death. If we simply follow the life of Jesus Christ and imitate His example, we too will live a, may live a kind of life that is pleasing to God. But it, it, it doesn't just end with His earthly ministry of His baptism. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He came by, not by water only, John goes on and says, if all we have is His baptism and nothing else except His life that lived a good life and you are now to pattern your life after Jesus Christ, we are still lost in our sin. And John said, He came by water and God testified that He is the Son of God, but He came by blood also, the crucifixion. And throughout the whole crucifixion, it is a testimony of God that Jesus Christ is God, the Messiah, the Savior. And His spotless, sinless life completely paid the penalty for our, our sin so that He came by water and the blood and both of those are a testimony that God says this is the Savior. So when the Hebrew mind understood the whole aspect of the blood, the Passover, the spotless lamb. They understood, um, as there was a desire to understand, what the blood means. Isaiah prophesied, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. So He came... And God the Father testified at His baptism, This is My Son in whom I am well pleased. We're not going to take time to expand on the cross. We've looked at that. But the cross is the blood by water and blood. He came and it's a testimony of God that this is My Son in whom I am well pleased. And the death of Jesus only makes sense as we see that it was a death, a substitutionary death that took the penalty for our sins. He was the spotless Lamb of God. So that day after day, month after month, believers can still sit down with unbelievers and give the good news, the gospel that our sins are paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the heresy that John was addressing said Jesus was a great man, did many wonderful things, but they cut it off there and they said it wasn't God. It wasn't a sacrifice. His death meant nothing other than another man dying. And John is addressing this and he says, listen to the testimony of God the Father. Yes, 
He was God at baptism. Yes, He is God at the cross. And then He adds the third testimony. Notice, this is He who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, just His earthly life is meaningless if it didn't have the cross. Not only by water, but by water and the blood. And then he adds, And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So he adds another testimony of God. It is the Spirit of God, the witness of the Spirit within. By this he means that when the story, the account, of the sinless life of Jesus Christ. And His crucifixion is told, whether it be told simply in a Bible time class or a Sunday school class or to a child or to an adult, whether it be told in a rescue mission or a home. Wherever the story is told, The Spirit of God works in the hearts of many to make it extremely personal. And those individuals suddenly see themselves involved and understand that it was my sin that Jesus died for. And they become a part and parcel, if you please, of of the story, of the account. And it becomes very personalized. Christ didn't just die for the world. Christ died for my sin. And that is the witness of the Holy Spirit making it personal in their life. It's personalizing the work of the Christ, the cross that brings it home to the individual. When the word pardoned is believed, the Spirit brings the reality of forgiveness, lifting the burden of guilt, a sense of washing of the sins, and the peace of God to a guilty heart. John Newton, most of you know him as the one who wrote the song Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, grew up in a Christian home but rejected it. For many years of his life, he was a reckless sea captain, pirating ships and so on, lived a desolate, reprobate life. The wildest sort of life that that could be imagined in that day. To the point that his own shipmates, who he was the captain over, had enough of him. They took him and sold him as a slave. With his health ruined, he was on a voyage back to England from Africa in the midst of a storm. The Spirit of God spoke to his heart and he found the Christ that he had long rejected. He became an outstanding spokesman for the gospel 
And he put his own testimony in these simple words. And, and as I read these words, think of this. The testimony of the Spirit bearing witness that we are a child of God. John Newton wrote, In evil long I took delight, unawed by shame or fear, until a new object met my sight and stopped my wild career. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood who fixed his languid eyes on me as near his cross I stood. Sure, never till my latest breath will I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. My conscience owned and felt my guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and served to nail him there. A second look he gave which said, I freely all forgive. My blood was for thy ransom paid. I died that thou mightst live. You see, it was the witness of the Spirit. Not just a historical fact that Jesus was baptized in the Son of God and that He was crucified, but the witness of the Spirit bearing witness and making it personal in His life. And John is saying to these believers, he says, the testimony of God, are you going to believe it? It is the testimony of God and by the witness of the Spirit. Do you believe it when the word of pardon is believed and, and has it been made personal by the Spirit of God in your life? He's saying you have it in Scripture, but you don't believe Scripture. You heard it in John, but you don't believe John. You heard it, John the Baptist, but they didn't hear it there. You heard it from the disciples, but you still didn't believe. You've heard Jesus could even say my words and you saw my miracles, but you still don't believe. So he said, I'm adding another witness, the witness of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, it is imperative for you that I go away so that when I go away, I will send the witness of the Spirit of God. And He will bear witness of me. And the message of the Gospel, the Spirit, bears witness in the hearts of mankind. And all of those are the works of the Father. They're the testimony of God. We live in a day where there are many testimonies regarding where you should invest your money, regarding what products you should use. And we've all been in situations where we've believed a testimony of something and then found out, well, maybe this product, okay, I'll try it. And then found out, you know what? 
it sure doesn't match up to all the testimonies that I read or all the testimonies that were given me. We live in a day there's an overabundance of information. You can, re- you can read a review on anything, but how do you know those who are reviewing it aren't just the competitor writing a bad review on what you're reviewing? So it's like, whose testimony do I believe? So if someone should come up to you and would make, and you were to make to them some statement of fact, and they would say to you, well, you know, I'm trying to believe you. You would not take that as an overwhelming endorsement, would you? I'm, I'm trying to believe you. Um, you'd probably take that as an insult. You'd feel like, hey, I just told them the truth, and they're, are they questioning my integrity or my character? If they say, I wish I could believe you, you know they're saying, you know what? The way I see things, it's completely opposite to what you're saying I don't believe what you're saying. So it's like they're calling you a liar. I wish I could believe you, but I know you're lying. How much greater cause has God to say to us when He has given us the record of His Scripture, John the Baptist, the works of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the disciples, and the baptism, the crucifixion, and now the Spirit of God. And we struggle with believing. Well, I'm, I'm trying to believe that. I'd like to believe you. Do you believe God? Is not God more dependable than man? That's John's argument. He's saying, can't you believe God? Notice what he says here. Verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, we'll believe someone that comes and says, no, I was there, I saw this happen. We received the witness of men. He said, the witness of God is greater For this is the witness of God which He has testified in His Son. He who believes in the Son has the witness in Himself. He who does not believe God has made Him a liar because He has not believed the testimony that God has given to His Son. John's argument is, Is not God more dependable than man? If you'll take the word of a stranger and act on it, can you, cannot you believe the word of God, especially when it's been recorded, witnesses, it's been preserved through all these years. And John says, if you refuse this testimony, then you are treating God as though he were a liar. You insult God. 
I believe it was Josh McDowell that said, you either see Jesus Christ as a lunatic, someone that is out of their mind going around saying, I am God, I am God. And you may have run into people like that. I've run into people that... that I, I asked them their name and they said, I remember one individual, I'm Jesus Christ. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm G. And this guy really believed he was Jesus Christ. You'd say, well, he's out of, right, he's a lunatic. Either Jesus Christ was God or he's a lunatic or he's a liar. And that's what John's saying here. If Jesus Christ was not God, he is lying. Doesn't mean he's out of his mind. He may just purposely be deceiving. Or, the only other conclusion, he's a lunatic, he's a liar, or he is Lord. He truly is God. He truly paid the penalty for our sin and did everything that is recorded here. But everything comes down to what we believe about Jesus Christ. And why do you believe it? Well, because that's what I've always heard, and that's, that's the way I think it. It better run deeper than that. It better run, I know this is the testimony of God that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and I know that the Spirit of God has opened my eyes to this truth and has borne this testimony in my heart and has personalized this truth in my life, and I know Jesus Christ. And that's what John says. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. And this is the testimony. So it comes down. What is God testifying throughout this whole letter? First uh, John 1 through 5, he's saying... By this you will know you are the children of God. And he lists various things. But he said, this is the testimony, what God is testifying, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. The whole point of the matter is that God has given to man the thing that he lacks entirely, eternal life. And everything rests upon Jesus Christ. He that has the Son, Jesus Christ, has eternal life. What do you think keeps Pastor Saeed in the horrible prison he is being beaten, internal bleeding, suffering, what keeps him? He's saying, God, Jesus Christ, has given me eternal life, and this eternal life is more precious to me than physical life, and I am never going to let go of this because the Spirit of God has done a work in my life and made me realize that Christ is all. What do you really believe? What will it take for you to let go of Jesus Christ? Ridicule by someone? 
professors saying that it didn't really happen, a threat of persecution. And what John is saying, God has testified over and over again, and he reminds them of three testaments of God. And he reminds them of the working of the Spirit of God in their life, that they know the working of God. Lord willing, tonight at the Praise in the Park, we'll go over, if I really do believe what, what is happening in my life. But what John brings it all down to is he says, what do you really believe? Because it all comes down to Jesus Christ. And in this day of tolerance and everything, it all comes down to one thing, exclusively Jesus Christ. He that has the Son has everlasting life. He that does not have the Son shall not see life, does not have life. Years ago at a Christian conference, a well-known teacher named Dr. Conrad startled the audience when he got up to speak. He said, Dear friends, I want you to know from the very beginning of my message tonight that I am not dogmatic about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. I am not dogmatic about the bodily resurrection of Christ. Nor am I at all dogmatic about the substitutionary atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately at that point, there, there began to be a rumbling and a gasp among the, the audience. But then quickly and with great intensity, he said, No, I am not dogmatic. I am bulldogmatic. Meaning, I am beyond dogmatic. I am bulldogmatic that... I know these things. Why? Because the testimony of God and the personal working of the Spirit of God in my heart. If you sit here today and you say, I know all these things in my head, but I don't know that there's really been the personalization of it in my life. There's room at the cross for you. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And to go before God and make sure that you know the working of the Spirit of God in your life. There's not some set emotion or feeling or experience that you must have. But you must know, based on the testimony of God, the working of the Spirit of God in your life, that you know that you have eternal life. It, it is an eternal life or death matter. And John wrote to them that were being led astray by people that said Jesus didn't really, his death didn't do anything. And he reminded them of the testimony of God. And he said, are you going to say that God is a liar? 
He that has the Son has eternal life. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would personalize your truth in each life here today. Lord, I have no idea what the heart needs are. God, humanly speaking, my concern is for individuals that have grown up hearing this. They can give the gospel in their sleep, but they've never personalized. They've never seen their sin as the sin that you died for. Lord, I pray today that your spirit would minister your conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And that we would say yes to you. Lord, I pray for every person here today that knows that they are a child of you. There's evidence in their life. Lord, I pray today that we would bear witness of the testimony of you and be instruments used of you to help others come to know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's